Praise the Lord. Okay, good morning. And for those on Zoom, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is uh, with you. I know there's quite a few people on Zoom, so uh, you're also very welcome. Good to be with you as well. Um, Pastor Michael is absolutely right. Technology is not my gift. (laughs) Uh, That's one of the reasons I came to California, because it is the home of technology. And just to prove that this morning, um, Daniel has lent me his phone, okay, with an app that changes slides. Oh, and so I, I, I feel so powerful. <laughs> so I'm very grateful to Daniel uh, for that, for making it work. Now let's see if it works. Hey, praise the Lord. I, I, I tapped the screen and it came up. Look at that. Wonderful. Okay, so technology. Bless you, Daniel. That is wonderful. Um, We're going to look at releasing mission. Uh, I'm going to look at Acts 9, verses 1 through 20, roughly. We'll see how far we get. That's the intention. Uh, So Acts 9, 1 through 20, famous passage. Uh, We're going to look at Saul and his conversion. And then we're going to look at Saul and his release into mission at the hands of Ananias. Just for those of you who don't know us, I didn't show this picture last time because I'm always embarrassed by how young I look and how old I look now. Um, (laughs) But Louisa roughly looks the same, which is also kind of frustrating. Okay, so she didn't age, but I I used to look like this, my friends, honestly. Okay, there's no Photoshop or anything there once upon a time. So that's our wedding. The first time I went to Malaysia, uh, I got married. Um, but we had known each other for three years before that. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So when, when the first time I went to Malaysia, uh, that was our wedding. Uh, at the moment, this is where we kind of, we, we work in the UK. Uh, some people, they look at this place and they, I was having this conversation with Scott earlier. Uh, they call it Hogwarts. So maybe it looks like Hogwarts. Um, and then we were trying to work out, weren't we, Scott? We were trying to work out, there's a British series where it's the servants, uh, Downton Abbey. That, uh, there we go, Scott. That was it. Uh, either people say it's Hogwarts or it's Downton Abbey. Okay, but it's an old kind of English Victorian house, uh, but it's now a mission school. And that's what's been going on there for like the last 60 years. And so we've been working there. Um, Pastor Michael mentioned some of the things that we've been engaged with. Um, these are some of the nations um, where we're either trying to do mission training projects or we would like to do uh, mission training projects. So there's just some of the things uh, that we've been engaged with. I can give you an example of one of those. I just came back from Nepal very recently. Uh, we did two trainings there, uh, one in a place called Pokhara, which is like the second city of Nepal. And then that was mainly amongst church leaders. Um, and this one was a youth meeting in a place called Chitwan. And actually, I love that. It was young people who were very excited about mission. And so we spent two or three days together uh, doing that. And they were from all over the region. Uh, the plan for the summer is this. Okay, so this is your quiz. I wish I, had, I should have had a prize. I should have had a prize. Okay, who can guess the country from the flag? Argentina, top top left. Argentina, top left. What? Japan. Yeah, which one? The bottom bottom right. Yeah. Okay. What's the? 
No. I can see people are... Mm-mm. Okay, top right is the Democratic Republic of Congo. Okay, so yeah, that's a, I love that flag. Lovely, beautiful colors. And the one down, I would have, I would have seriously given you a prize if you'd have got the bottom left. Uh, it is the nation of Benin. Uh, in West Africa, it's like two countries along from Nigeria. Uh, yes, uh, Zaire is Congo, so it's up and kind of left a bit. Yeah, so I'm hoping to go to Benin. Uh, Benin is a, a very fast-growing Christian country, has been for a long time, um, but it's also one of the places where voodoo originated from. And so it's a very interesting place uh, to be and to do ministry, uh, but we want to be involved in training missionaries from Benin. So that's the, that's the goal there. So that's the summer. At the moment, we're in this place. <laughs> I know there's quite a few uh, alumni here and people that, that love Fuller. Um, so yeah, uh, we're at Fuller. And as Pastor Michael mentioned, we are doing, <gasps> we're doing our PhD. Oh my goodness. But alongside that, here are some of the things that I love about California. Okay. So I thought I, this is my cross-cultural moment to kind of let you know. Now, I heard, I heard you say it. The top left is Roscoe's fried chicken and waffle. Who ever dreamed of putting chicken and waffle together on the same plate? Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah, so Lucky Boy is right on the corner by where we live. Um, we've enjoyed the milkshakes there. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, that's on Oakland, by Oakland there as well. But if I get if I get homesick, which happens every now and again, um, there is Lucky Baldwin's just up the road here, where you can get fish and chips. And then there's Ye Oldie King's Head Pub Restaurant in Santa Monica. Okay, and and I've been so grateful. I'm uh, Jim. I just need to acknowledge it. Jim has been my cultural penguin to California. Okay, I have learned so much from Jim. And I've learned a lot from Gary Purty. Uh, Gary may be online. What I've learned from Gary Purty is it's okay to wear shorts 365 days a year. Okay? Now, that has been a real cultural challenge to me because a Brit never shows his knees. And so I've been getting used to Gary's knees this year. Okay? So that, that's been a real cultural challenge. But I'm learning. I'm getting used to it. Uh, so he, he is, for me, the ultimate California. There we go. So back to the plot. Uh, Mission. I think it's always good to have a definition of mission. There are lots of definitions of mission. Um, This is one that I use. And I say mission is what? Ordinary. Ordinary Christian people like me and you. Actually, mission is something that we all can engage in. We can all engage in. Why? Because mission is ordinary Christian people doing. (gasps) Got it. What's the word before? Ah, the ordinary doing the extraordinary things that are given and designed by God for us to walk into. Why do we do these things? Well, hopefully, number one, because we are motivated by the love of God. Again, that came out in our worship this morning. Uh, Why do we want to do that? Because we'd love to see God bring transformation, whatever that might look like in the different places where we are and where God puts us. And ultimately, 
Because we know that God has called. <laughs> oh, you guys are good. Fantastic. I heard this. All nations to do what? Hallelujah. Okay, to give him glory. So that is a definition of mission uh, that I use just to feed into that. And before we get into the word, um, this is a word that I've had repeatedly over the last three weeks. And I just thought this was probably a good moment to share it. And it's this idea of clearing the decks. And I don't know if that resonates with anybody. But that is what I've kind of seen and anticipated from the Lord over the last three weeks. I've seen him in our, in our lives clearing the decks. And I put down some things. Some things he's sped up. You know what I mean? Things that were going, he's sped up and he's kind of brought to pass more quickly than I thought. Some things he's just kind of shifted out of the way. Things that have been barriers or blockages or just difficult, troublesome things have been removed. And then the last one there, there's, there's always detail in our life. I always feel like there's things undone. And it's a bit like God has been tying up some loose ends. Now, when you get the call to clear the decks on a ship, because that's where it happens, it means tie everything down and get rid of anything that's kind of hanging around and that could move because there is there's stuff coming. And I didn't want to say whether it's a storm or whatever, but there's a sense that something is coming. And I'm, I'm actually, it may be a storm, but I'm excited <laughs> at the same time. There's something very dynamic, perhaps, about what God is doing. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let me pray, and then we will delve uh, into the book of Acts. Father, we bless you. I bless you to be in this historic church. I bless you to be with my friends who are part of Vision Christian Fellowship, Lord. I bless you for the community here, for its warmth and its embrace. And Father, I bless you because you are here and you are in our midst. And Father, as we look at your word this morning, I pray, bring it alive for us, Lord. Speak through it, use it, challenge us, encourage us, change us. Move us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, so far. It's, Daniel, this is great. It's working a treat. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I always, when I think about a passage, especially a story in the Bible, I try and give it a newspaper headline. Okay, so my newspaper, just to kind of sum it up and give it a summary in my own head. So this would be setback, sideline, Saul, bright light, blinds, religious enforcer. Okay. Now, we have certain newspapers that have headlines like that. I think you also have certain newspapers and magazines that kind of speak in that kind of language, right? So, so that's my kind of summary. But what does it actually say? Let's go through the scriptures. Then Saul, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Those that follow Jesus. It wasn't just anybody. It was the disciples of the Lord. It was those who were following Jesus. He went to the high priest in Jerusalem and he asked letters from them to enable him to go. And if he found any who were of the way, I love the way that Christianity is called the way. Okay. It is the way, the, amen. It's the way, the truth, and it is the way. Any of the way, whether, who? What does it say? 
Who did it include? I love the way that the world often discriminates against women. But when it comes to this, women are not excluded. You see what I, I mean? That's very interesting to me. In so many ways, women are discriminated against by the world. But when it comes to persecution, we're all in. Now, that to me is very, very interesting. You know what I mean? I, anyway, moving on. That he might bring them bound to Jerusalem and see what happens there to them. Now, what he was doing was saying, I need permission to, yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> I need something in writing so that I can go and threaten and murder these people. I, I need something, I need a letter to say that that's okay. And you know what? They, they gave it to him. I mean, that, that is extraordinary. And only for the disciples of Jesus. And when I look at that, I look at how evil organizes itself. Do you see what I mean? It's not just one man, but actually he's co-opting a whole system behind him to be able to do these terrible things to men and to women. And I look at that and I see evil strategizes, it recruits people, it organizes people, but ultimately, what does it do? It always overreaches itself. It always goes beyond its boundary, and then it falls over. I don't know if you've had experiences where you can see evil kind of yeah, uh, coalescing around your life, and then it goes just that one step forward, and, that, and the whole thing falls over, and you're delivered in the middle of that. And so that has been, that has been our experience on several occasions. But the thing here is that God's mission, if you are engaged in God's mission, what does it do? It provokes persecution. And I've been in several places around the world now where I've had to keep a low profile because actually the people there are suffering because they're Christians in various, many, and different ways. Uh, it's not like there's a persecuted country and a non-persecuted country. There are grades of persecution in between. There are levels. There is nuance to that. But my friends, we are probably in the minority. Okay, I think that's the key thing for us sitting here today. We are in the minority in the sense that we are not really suffering from any serious persecution. I'm not saying it doesn't happen here, but it's not quite the same as, as is happening in other places. So that's the first thing. God's mission and engagement in God's mission, you're going to provoke some resistance. Okay, that's, that's the first thing there. Secondly, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. So he was almost there. Do you know how far it is from Jerusalem to Damascus? It's about 300 kilometers. Okay, put that in miles. Um, <laughs> Europeans always work in kilometers. What is that? About 200, 220 miles. So it was a significant, and he's just about, you know, it must have been so annoying. He's just about to get there to carry out his plan, and boom, okay? A light shone around him from heaven, and it was a light that was stronger than the sun. I mean, that's what it says in other places. And of course, it knocks him off his donkey, his horse, or whatever was carrying him. And he falls to the ground. And he hears a voice saying, what does the voice say? What does the voice say? 
Saul, Saul. Notice he says the name twice. That's interesting. Why? We'll come back to that. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Now, you see, with that, persecution is always vicarious. Actually, they don't want you. They go for you because they can't get to to, to Jesus. And you are the Christian, the little Christ who is left here on earth and praise the Lord. But we are the ones who will suffer this vicarious violence that comes along with that. What Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Actually, he's persecuting the Christians because they are what? The body of? Ah, there's a connection there. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the film Silence. Silence. Some people have seen. Now, it's probably not one to watch with your younger children. It's about missionaries in Japan and the church in in Japan. It is an extremely challenging movie, but it is based on a true story. Uh, A good one to watch with friends in the middle of the day. Okay? Don't, Don't carry that to bed with you. But it'll beg of you lots of different questions about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a missionary and how you deal with persecution. So it's a fantastic film in that regard. But the, the, the thing here is, Jesus has just shown up. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty amazing. You know, the guy who was trying to persecute, he said, here I am. Now what are you going to do? <laughs> here I am. I'm kind of in front of you now. Now what's going to happen? And I, I need to just share this very briefly. This is in London. Um, what do you call this? Uh, the Tube. The tube, what you might call the subway here, we we call it the tube. Uh, Same idea. And I was traveling from Moak to my church one day to do some work in the church. And the pastor of the church, she'd had a vision about what God was going to do in the building, in the church, to renovate and to revitalize the building. And essentially, she saw a picture of Jesus standing in the middle of the building. And I was going to work with her to try and see how this might happen. But at the same time, I was like, Lord, Lord, I want to see that. (laughs) I'd love to see and then have that assurance. And you know what I mean? That affirmation. I was on a tube train and it came into Barron's Court and everybody got off. And my carriage was empty. So that was a bit weird. And then it pulled out. And then at the door, I was just, I can see it as clear as anything. At the door, Jesus was standing at the door. and. And Jesus was not only standing in the door, he was standing in the middle of our church, in the middle of the door. And I could see his feet in the foundation where the Bible school was going to be. I could see his chest in the sanctuary where the worship was going to be. I could see his head in the prayer meeting on the top of the building uh, where the 24-hour prayer center was going to be. I saw it. I was like, I mean, I'm just, it was just an ordinary day. You know, I wasn't prayed up or anything, you know, just, just and man, I'm just, so I'm on a tube train with Jesus. It's like, help? <laughs> what do you do? And he just stood there. And I got off the train the other end, and I walked into my pastor's office, and she said, what happened to you? Because whatever it was that Jesus left was on my face. 
And, of course, slowly that faded away. (laughs) But that experience, you know the Lord and you've seen the Lord. So I think God's mission, I mean, I'm not saying you have to have a vision of Jesus. Of course not. But it requires revelation. We need to see and we need to touch and we need to feel and we need to receive something from the Lord. Okay. And he said, Paul's lovely question. Who are you? Who are you, Lord? And he says, well, I am. I'm Jesus. I mean, unbelievable. Imagine being there. Who are you? I'm Jesus. Deal with that. (laughs) I'm Jesus. Whom you are persecuting says it again because he wants people to know that. It is hard for you to do what? What's a goad? Anybody know what a goad is? It's, I heard it. I heard it down here. It's, it's, it's a prod. It's a prod. It's a long spiky stick, okay, that you use to channel oxen to make sure that they go in the right way. And, and the goad is quite interesting. Um, maybe I've got a picture there. There we go. There's the ox. You can't really see the goad, but the goad is the pointy stick. There's a very technical term, pointy stick. Okay, I'll just share that with you. Pointy stick, long pointy stick. And what the farmer does is he holds the stick just behind the ankle of the ox. So that if the ox deviates, what happens? It's cut. Wow, you know, I've never heard an ox scream. I don't know what that sounds like. So that was a very bad impression. But if you can imagine, uh, and and what does it do? It keeps him on track. And the idea here is that the Lord has been goading Paul for some time. He's actually been speaking to him for some time. And every time he rejects him, he suffers pain. There is pain as we reject the instructions of the Lord that he'd been going through. And the other, I can't, I've moved my microphone around to the front here. The other idea here, I don't know how this is going to work with my microphone, but the idea, number one is his, his sin of not being obedient. His other, this is not going to work well on video, but in a sense, he's lying on the ground and he's pinned to the ground. And, it, and, and the Lord is saying, it's hard for you to get up and to go again. <laughs> Sonia now has a picture of that. Okay. But you get the idea. So he is, in a sense, pinned to the ground. And he can't. Jesus has got him right where he needs to be in order to receive these instructions. He's in the business of turning his life around. And in that, God's mission is engaged through our submission. Okay. That would be the key point there. So understandably, trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what's the question? <laughs> I want to hear it from you. <laughs> that, that, that's our question, right? Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, get up. Get up. I'm going to take the, the goads away. I'm going to allow you to get up. You go into the city and I will tell you what to do. Now." When we come to a realization that we need to get more engaged with God's mission, there are probably four questions that come. There's a sense of, oh my Lord, what is it that I've done? What have I been doing? 
And maybe there's a question of that conviction comes and it's like, what can I do? And I would say they're all rubbish questions. I think this question is the right one. Lord, what do you want me to do? It's not about what I have done. It's not what I have been doing. Not about what I think I can do. It is what do you want me to do? And then a final story. I don't know if anybody's ever been here. Can I just tell you that is a very dangerous question to ask? Lord, for us here, it might be, Lord, what do you want me to do next? That is an extremely dangerous question. (laughs) Okay? Because I've tried it. And I, I tried it here. I was in Doha. I was between places. And I felt there was a sense of a season of ministry coming to the end. And I just sat there very casually. And said to the Lord, what do you want me to do next? Okay. And I just kind of casually offered it out there as if we were having ice cream together. You know what I mean? It was just like casually out there. And boom, straight in. He said, okay, I want you to go to all nations and get a degree and leave Malaysia. I want you to learn uh, another language as a a foreign language. Uh, I want you to go and learn how to teach English as a foreign language. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) I didn't expect that. I love Malaysia. Okay, I I didn't want to leave Malaysia. And then all of a sudden, straight into my life, and now we had to reorganize our whole life around that word. Do you see what I mean? It's a dangerous question because it opens the doorway. Lord, what do you want me to do next? Okay. God's mission. It is who we are. It is what we were designed for, to participate in God's mission. Therefore, it's what we are to be engaged with. And then finish this section. And the man who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing nobody. And that's kind of weird, right? So it was very specific and for Paul. Then Saul got up from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he didn't see anyone. Why? Because he was blind. Okay, but they led him by the hand and they brought him into Damascus. And he was there for three days without sight and he neither ate nor drank. And what you see here is an amazing turnaround. This guy come in full of confidence, full of arrogance with his piece of paper. Okay, and he was ready to do business in Damascus. And his whole world in two minutes has been completely turned upside down. He was leading these guys. Now they have to lead him. He was kind of strident, but now he's stunned. He was sighted, now sightless, confident, but confused. Everything that he thought was right is now wrong. And everything that was wrong is now right. You see what I mean? Pride to humility. Anti-Christian to Christian follower. Christ follower, all in two minutes. That, that is an amazing upside down, turned around, goodness sake, how is he going to deal with that? And I say this, God's mission, it changes everything. 
When we're engaged in mission, it will turn your life upside down. It will turn you inside out, but it'll be the best thing that you ever did. Amen? Amen. So it's rooted in Jesus, and as we'll see in a minute, it's enabled by the Holy Spirit. So if I was going to summarize that, Paul's evil intention turned around, Jesus' timely intervention. And I just wanted to put this in the middle because I still think it's incredible. Jesus met Paul. The risen Christ met Paul. That, and then I found my favorite word for the week. <laughs> okay, discombobulation. I just, if you say it with an English accent, discombobulation. Um, what does it mean? Confused. Turned upside down. Discombobulated. Not quite sure which way is up. There you go. There's another way you might say that. That was the situation that Paul was in. So we'll pause there. Now, if everything has worked well, it is. Louisa, I've got a thumbs up there. I've got a friend in Egypt. And he might just appear on the screen any minute now. So, you guys are working on that. My friend from Egypt is called David. And he is a pastor in Egypt. He's a church leader in, in Egypt. And I asked him the question. Uh, I said to him, what are the three biggest principles in your life that contribute towards a missional life? Okay, there he is, Luke. Hey, praise the Lord. David, good morning, good evening. Uh-oh. Okay. It worked before. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same usual story. I asked him, what are the three kind of key missional principles for a missional life for you? And so he was going to give, he's, I know his three points, so, but I'm hoping we can hear them from him. Hey, hey, David, hi. <laughs> Good evening, David. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> praise, praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, David, do you want to just briefly share? I gave David a whole five minutes. Oh, I was like, yeah, he could do far more than that. I gave him a whole five minutes. Yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> okay, David, uh, yeah, I've, I've briefly introduced you. Just, uh, yeah, if you could share your three principles, that would be lovely.
<laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Wow. And if I get another chance offline, I can explain to you the context in which he works and where that understanding uh, actually comes from in his own life. Okay, if we can go back to the, to the slides. There we go. Uh, second part of the story. Got to have another newspaper headline. What's my newspaper headline here? Anxious Ananias sought Saul's sight. Okay, so that's... The... Now, I have to put that in context for myself. These three amazing people, the, the guys on the left are from Nepal, husband and wife. And I met this lady here. I won't give her name, but I, I met this lady. And she wanted to become a missionary to India, actually. That was the goal the Lord had laid on her heart after she retired, that she was going to be a missionary to India. And I traveled with her to go and introduce her to these guys who lived in Nepal. And on the way over on the plane, I was like, Lord, why am I going? Why am I? You know what I mean? What, what, what am I going? And the Lord came straight back at 37,000 feet and said, this is not about you. It's about her, and it's about them, and it's about you bringing them together and then walking backwards. Just so you know your place. <laughs> this is not about you. Okay, so now let's go into the story. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus, and his name was... And, and I always refer to him as the good Ananias, okay? Because you know a few chapters earlier, there was a not such a good Ananias and not such a good ending for his life. This is the good. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, what did he say? Ananias! <laughs> okay. Now, what did he say to Paul or Saul? What did he say? Saul, Saul. Okay, so he said it twice. Why did he only say it once to Ananias? He already knows him. He already knows him. He has his attention because he's looking out for Jesus. Paul was never looking out for Jesus, so Jesus was like, Saul, Saul. <laughs> but when it comes to Ananias, who already has a relationship with the Lord, he just has to say Ananias, and because the sheep know his, then it's no problem. He connects straight away, and I, I love that about Ananias. Um, he's present to the Lord. The picture there is of somebody, as it were, just waiting for the Lord's instruction. That's all they're doing. They're not doing anything else. They are just waiting for the next instruction to come from God. And so he recognizes Jesus' voice. What does he say? What does he say? Here I am. Here I am. I, I'm available. I'm yours. What is it you want me to do, Lord? What is it that you want? Another great opening line. Here I am to do whatever it is. I'm ready. I'm available. Okay, says the Lord. Let me tell you what I'd like you to do. Arise. Go to a street called Straight Street. Okay. And inquire at the house of Judas. This is the good Judas, not the bad Judas, okay? Again, another Judas, it was a popular name. For one called Saul of Tarsus, because he is in a room somewhere and he is, he's praying and he's fasting and, he, and, and so on and so forth. We already know that. And in a vision, 
This Saul, this Paul, has already seen you coming, so no pressure. He's already had a vision and seen a man named Ananias, which happens to be your name, and comes in and puts his hand on him that he might receive his sight. But Paul has already had that vision. Very interesting. And Ananias answered, as you might do, what did he say? Lord, that was perfect, Sonia. Sonia had the right intonation. Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to people in Jerusalem. And he's got authority from the chief priests to bind all of So everybody knew this. They knew he had his piece of paper. And so obviously, he's a little bit concerned, as you might be. Now, what did he say just about a minute before? Here I am. Now what's he saying? Here I'm not. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I liked it right up until the bit where you told me actually what to do. And then it got a little bit more complicated and it got a little bit more difficult. So what are we going to do now? Ah! Ah. Now, what does the Lord do? I can do this with Louisa. Does he go, oh, there, there. There, there, Ananias. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be okay. Don't you worry. Don't you worry, Ananias. We'll make this. Is that what the Lord does? If you're reading the passage ahead of me, the Lord said to him, go. <laughs> and you can put it in brackets there, go anyway. <laughs> Why? Because he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I need to show him how much he will suffer for my sake. So, for goodness sake, Ananias, stop worrying about your own self and what might happen to you, because I'm going to show this guy how much he's going to have to suffer for me. <sighs> Ananias, this is not all about you. Okay. So, summarizing. He talks with the Lord. He gets very detailed instructions. I think that's a really good lesson for us. Sometimes the Lord can give us extremely detailed instructions. The Lord, did you know that the Lord can multitask? Well, he demonstrates it here because he's giving a vision to one guy and saying he's going to come. And then he's also talking to the other guy who's going to go at the same time to bring it all together. Oh, that's kind of cool. There is a prophetic intent already revealed. And then Ananias does his quick reality check. Really? You really want me to go and visit a murderer tomorrow morning? Really? This guy who was sent to kill us. And as I say, this is not about you. Right. Now I need a willing volunteer for this next section. Okay. He responds to the Lord. Jackie, I, I, I have somebody in mind. Next time. Because I, I just need to pick on Jim. Because he's got acting experience, Jim. So Jim, would you just? Yes. Yes, just, just uh, next time, Jackie. Jim, will you just come for a minute? Okay. Let's see if we can work this out. I haven't told Jim, by the way, but I know he's prepared for every occasion. So, <laughs> uh, welcome, Jim. Now, Jim is not Jim anymore. He's Saul, okay? He is Saul. And uh, he's busy praying and fasting. And you can, and uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, praying and fasting. He can't really see very much, obviously. 
And uh, oh, very good, Jim. I knew Jim was look at that. Look at that. Very good. Yeah, just just keep praying, fasting. You're you're all good. You're all good. Okay, let's see if we can find. Now, imagine you are Ananias. You're going, but you are a little bit scared, right? A little bit scared. So I'll be Ananias. Okay? And I love it. We've got a very straight street here. All right? So I've just kind of crept my way down straight street. All the way to Judas's house, where I know that perhaps upstairs, there is a man called Saul of Tarsus waiting for me to come. Okay? But I'm a little bit tremulous. And so I can imagine he gets there. He doesn't want to knock on the door. He doesn't want to disturb him. So he, he kind of creeps up and he goes. So he's in the house. Looking around. Where to go? Where's Paul? He's creeping through the house. What's going on? And see some steps. Actually, they'd be on the outside, but it's okay. Some steps. Creeping up. He's kind of in the hallway. You can hear kind of muttering in the room over there. So he creeps around. And he opens the door. <laughs> Brother Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive a sign before the Holy Spirit. Okay, Jim, this is the bit where you stand up. Hallelujah. And you're, and you're, you're, this is good. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He could see. Hallelujah. Jim, done with aplomb. Excellent, excellent. He arose and was baptized. He received food and he was strengthened. And then Saul spent some days. With Ananias and the brothers, you just speak where you give me a hug and you say, oh, recon reconciliation between the oppressor and the oppressed. Hallelujah. Well done, Jim. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so there we go. That's probably what happened. <laughs> okay. So what do we learn from there? Immediately there fell scales from his eyes. Something like... Scales. And the word there is for fish scales. So something like fish scales fell from his eyes. So that's interesting. He had his food, spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. But what had actually happened? Ananias had gone, he'd done what he was told to do, and he had released Paul into ministry, into mission. His vision was restored. He was empowered by the Spirit. I said the Holy Spirit was important too. He's water baptized and he's connected in to this amazing community that he came to kill. See the turnaround that God has affected by knocking him off his horse on the way to Damascus. And what does Paul do immediately? One minute he goes to kill, the next minute he comes and he brings life. He brings the gospel. The next thing you see is he's out there preaching the gospel. Immediately, Paul preaches in the city. The question we need to ask ourselves in light of all of that, is it about a vision for my life? Oftentimes, I go around, I meet lots of people, and they're looking for 
for a vision. My vision. Or is it God's vision for lives? Is actually the vision that God is going to give me beyond myself and towards others? There's another way of saying this. A vision for, and I get this a lot and I see this a lot. My mission. I need a vision. Pastor, can you pray for me? I need a vision for my mission. I say, no, wrong question. It's God's vision for the church of which you are a part and for other people. It always looks beyond yourself. Now, we're just about on track. We're just about on time. I have another friend. This time from Romania. But he is from South Sudan originally. He's a pastor. He's a Baptist pastor. And he pastors a multicultural church in Bucharest. And his name is Peter. Now, I'm hoping this is all, this, this is all going to work. He will be dragged across onto the screen. There's Peter on the right, by the way. And he is one of my best friends in the Lord. He is just an amazing, amazing man. So let's see if we can. How are we doing? Okie dokie. Transition in progress. And I've asked Peter the same thing. What are the three missional principles that you find really key for your life? There's Peter. Oh, you're looking great, Peter. I love the shirt as well. (laughs) Peter, thank you so much for joining us. You are live in California. (laughs) Hey, no problem. Um, I've, I've introduced a little bit about you, uh, your background, and the church that you're pastoring at the moment. Um, but the thing that I asked you was, what are your, in, in the midst of all of that you do there, what are the three key missional principles for you?
Hey. Thank you so much, Peter. It's great to see you uh, live from Romania. Wow. Uh, praise the God. Yeah, I, I always find it very, it's amazing just to get different perspectives from around the world, um, from the Christian body. Um, you can see with David, what were his three? Number one, glory. Sorry, David. <laughs> glory. And then what was the second one? The lamb. The lamb amongst wolves. And then his third one? Trust in the blood of, of the lamb, of Jesus. So those were David's three points. What about Peter? First one, love, friendship, compassion. Praise the Lord. What a fantastic reminder this morning. So, go back to Ananias. Ananias, he heard from God very clearly. He took a risk. Hang on a second. There we go. He took a risk. God blessed Paul. The fellowship of the church grew and the church multiplied. Because Ananias was obedient to God. Now. What happened with Paul's relationship with Ananias? Ananias was the man who set him free to be able to go and engage in God's mission. Does he forget all about him? We don't know anything about their relationship, actually, apart from at the end of Paul's life or towards the end, he's there and he's surrounded by a mob that are persecuting him and he begins to tell his story. This is many years later at the end of his ministry. Ananias was there right at the beginning. And he says, then a certain... Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me. And he stood and he said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him and I saw him. Who do I want to emulate as somebody engaged in mission? Actually, my heart is more disposed to be like Ananias than like Paul. Paul is the unknown. <laughs> Paul is well-known. Paul goes on and has this great, well-accounted and documented mission. Ananias, we've no idea what he does. But I bet he had a ministry. And he kept being obedient to the Lord. And Jesus kept speaking to him and sending him on different assignments. I tell you, he's one of my heroes. <laughs> Ananias is one of my biblical heroes. And I just love the way that the Lord deals with him and the way that he responds. To finish, I give you an alternative version of my mission definition. <laughs> what is mission? Mission is... Working together, what did Peter say? As friends. To release one another, to fulfill the callings that we believe that God has for each of us, for our families, and for our church and for our nations. That, for me, is it's not about my mission, my vision, my whatever. Actually, it's about working together, like Ananias and Paul, to release each other into the calling and to the participation in mission that God has for each of us, our families, our communities, and our church. Amen? Amen.
So that, my friends, is where I'd like to conclude. Um, I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to hand back over to Pastor Michael. Father, we thank you. Given this hour, hour, just to be able to explore a little bit of your mission, of your plan for us all, men and women gathered together from all over the world, from the nations to be here in California in this church and vision Christian fellowship at this time. And Father, I can only imagine, I can only believe what good things that you have for us in this place, for us as individuals and families and communities. Father, help us to understand your mission. Help us to embody your mission and help us to engage in your mission. Father, we thank you. What an opportunity. What a challenge. What an encouragement. What an assurance. But Father, our desire is to be like Paul and to follow you, and to be like Ananias, to hear your voice, and to do the things that you lead us to do, however risky or however scary they may be. And Father, help us to recognize in all of these things your glory, the fact that we are sent as lambs amongst wolves, protected by the blood of the lamb, that we go in love, we go in friendship, And we go with hearts that are filled with your compassion. In Jesus' name. Amen.